Is that on? I didn't know which way my microphone would slip. What's up, everybody? I missed you people. So we're like, what's he talking about? I was on a sabbatical for about three and a half weeks. Um, and can I just say thank you to my pastors and thank you to all of you, because it's pretty cool to be to be honored and celebrated enough that when I was away, I mean, I don't know, somebody was probably talking behind my back, but what I felt from all y'all was like, that's awesome, go get refreshed. I mean, after 21 years, taking a few weeks to recharge and refresh um, was pretty amazing to do with our family, and uh, God just spoke a whole, whole lot. We made some memories, we swam with dolphins, that was kind of fun. Um, we did some cool stuff, and uh, we just had a lot of great time as a family. So, um, And now our, our pastors are getting that same time away, not, not as long, um, but uh, can we celebrate our pastors and pray for awesome weather and uh, lots of fun time for them? And so just pray that they get refreshed, that God speaks, and that uh, it's just a divine appointment for them. Um, I could talk for days about all the stuff God taught me um, the things he refined in me during that time, but I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to pick up where Pastor Marion left off last week. How many heard the message last week online or in person? You can raise your hand online. Um, so what, what was that little phrase? Just a little bit of what? Oh my goodness. Come on, people. Just a little bit of what? Oh. A little daffodilia. A little bit of faith. I know you got mask on. See, you have to project a little bit louder with the mask on, okay? So you just got to talk a little bit, a little bit louder. You know what? So I'm going to continue to stir up some faith today. And uh, I'm going to bring a message to you about rise up giant slayers. How many giant slayers are in the room right now? Some of you don't know that there is a giant, slaying, faith-filled, powerful person sitting next to you. Um, but I'm going to continue to stir up faith, and uh, I think this is going to be a very relevant message. So here's what, uh, in my estimation, I heard an illustration, and I'm going to kind of apply it to our circumstances. And um, pre-COVID, we were camping in a tent, a wonderful little tent, and it was sunshine, and it was blue skies, and we had our sleeping bags in there, and we had a little lamp there, and, and we were just like, so the, at night, the sun or the, the moon was shining in the sky, and, and it was just a breeze. It wasn't too hot. It wasn't too cold. And it was just this perfect little camping experience. Life was good. We felt safe and secure in our little tent of comfort. Hello? And then a storm came. And see, the thing is, when the sun is shining, you're not thinking about, man, I hope there aren't any holes in this tent. You're not thinking about, like, no, because it's beautiful weather. We'll get in the tent. It's going to be awesome. But then the storm comes. Then COVID-19 pandemic comes, and the world changes. And all of a sudden, when you thought you were in this safe little tent... The rain comes, and the devil's like, you thought you were safe in there, right? And so when the storm came, 
It exposed the holes in our tent. Now, I'm not saying that COVID and the series of events that have followed that did not create some unique new challenges. Certainly did. New opportunities, right, for growth, to become better, to solve problems. I'm not saying that didn't happen, but I think to a large degree what COVID has done, what this season in our nation has done, has exposed the holes that were already in the tent, but we just weren't aware of it. Holes of isolation, that we didn't have enough strong relationships in our life. Holes of pride, that we think we know better than everybody else. Holes of economic instability, or to put it more accurately, holes of you spend too much money and you don't make enough. Holes of unforgiveness. Holes of a deficiency in our love. Holes of we don't honor people the way God honors people. It exposed the holes. Now, I'm not ignoring some of the other holes in the tent, Um, that are really real for our entire country um, because there's other things that we're exposed to. Things like um, lack of communication as a nation, fake news, racism, systemic injustice, right? It exposed some holes. But those holes that I just acknowledged there, those holes can't be fixed in a day. In fact, they might not be entirely fixed in our lifetime. And we should increase our awareness. We should pray to God and say, God, what is my part to deal with those holes that we have as a nation, as the body of Christ? We should be aware of those holes and we should increase and we should be a part of that. Do your part. Look at somebody and say, do your part. But the holes that I want to focus on today, that's not my focus. My focus today is you. Because guess who you can change? Every day of the week, guess who you have the power to change? Yourself. See, Parker can change Parker, but if Parker tries to change his fiance, Gabby, sitting next to him, how many think that's going to work out good for him? Now we can be part of someone's transformation. She's nodding an amen there, I see. We can be part of someone's transformation, but listen, I I do marriage counseling all the time, and I tell them, stop focusing on how your spouse needs to change and start asking God how you need to change. If you pray that prayer, it's dangerous. I prayed it this morning, and God was like, yeah, you need to stop that. Because I was mad at my wife yesterday. And God was like, yeah, that wasn't her fault. Daggone it. So what I want to focus on is how we can, some of you have actually heard me say this before, how can we take back our power and change our lives? Because you can't change the whole world today, but you can change you. Everybody put your hands over your head like this. Come on. And say, take it back. Oh, that was weak. Stand up to your feet right now. Come on, we need some energy in this room. Put your hands over the head on the count of three. One, two, three. Take it back.
on. Have a seat. Listen, we're not going to focus on how we can change the world until we focus on how we can change ourselves. We have a responsibility. And unfortunately, many of us were caught on our heels. We were caught unaware. We were camping with sunshine and blue skies and no storm. And then the storm came, and what did it do? It exposed the holes in our tent. How many would be honest enough to say, during this time, you've become more aware, maybe even acutely aware of some holes in your tent? Because it does not do you any good to talk about the holes in someone else's tent. You got to take responsibility for your own tent, for your own life. And so what does that look like? What does it mean to stand up, to rise up and fight in faith, but not get distracted fighting the wrong enemy? Not get distracted by pointing fingers of blame at other people? See, I can sit in my tent and point fingers at that tent over there all day. But if I got holes in my tent in the middle of a storm, is that going to help me at all? No. So what if we took a little more personal responsibility to do our part? Everybody say, do my part. And say, God, what is it you're asking me to do? See, that's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that when the storm comes, it is not designed to destroy us. I mean, the devil designed it to destroy you, but what did God say? Every, all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. He said, what the devil intended for evil, God intends for good. Listen to this verse. This was rocking me. I mean, I was prepped and ready, but I read this verse again this morning. It was just rocking me. James 1, 2 through 3. Consider it pure joy. Look at somebody smile underneath that mask. Just smile real big. Smile with your eyes and say, pure joy. Say, pure joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. Notice it does not say whenever you face a trial. Whenever you face that trial way back in the day that you overcame and it's never going to happen. No, no, no. Whenever you face current, present tense, face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that, everybody say, so that, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, it's easy in times like this to begin to pray prayers like, God, just make it all go away. God, get us out of this mess. God, just, just fix it. Fix them. <laughs> None of you all have prayed that prayer, I'm sure. You're too mature for that. It's easy to pray prayers like that. But this scripture and the Bible as a whole encourages us, encourages us to pray different kinds of prayers. Prayers like, God, what is the work that you need to do in me through this testing? God, what am I lacking in my life that these trials are going to teach me something about? God, what do I need to learn about how to persevere during this season? Because if we start praying prayers like that, then perseverance can actually finish its work. Some of y'all want the, the storm to stop the testing to stop, but you're not letting perseverance do anything in you. And God's like, well, if you'd learned something. I'm smiling. 
we don't get out of the storm, we don't get out of the test until the work is done in us. So if you want that breakthrough, you're going to have to participate in your breakthrough. Begin to shift your prayers. And I believe that if we start to shift that, if we start to shift our focus, then we can turn the tide. And in the story that we're going to read about a little shepherd boy named David, one young man took full responsibility for himself, and by doing so, he shifted the experience, the blessing on an entire nation. He didn't start by getting up on a soapbox and telling everybody what to do and telling them where they were wrong. He said, God, what's my part? And he did his part. And he shifted an entire nation. So if you want to follow along, we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to learn from David, a giant slayer. Who wants to be a giant slayer? If so, say yes. Now you're getting a little bit louder. You're getting a little stirred up. We're going to rise up, people. This is going to be our finest hour. Truly is. Um, 1 Samuel 17, chapter, verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damon between Soko and Asika. Good golly, I'm glad those words are over. Whew. Yeah, you all try reading Hebrew words. Okay. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. Two opposing forces. Battle lines are drawn, right? And many of you feel as if, well, that's what we're facing right now in our nation. But just like the song we sang moments ago, God is our champion. He's the champion, right? See, our pastors taught us a little bit over the last month that we've got to choose. There's a third option. There's not us versus them. The devil wins when we pick a side. The devil wins when we make people our enemy. We're not battling against flesh and blood. We're battling against principalities and powers and darkness in this present age. That means that Anybody that is on the other side from me, they're not my enemy. They merely don't have the mind of Christ on whatever's happening. If, in fact, they're wrong and I'm right. See, when we look at situations as redemptive, when we look at them as opportunity for the love of Christ to win, how many believe that love wins? If so, say yes. No, come on. Do you believe that love wins in any and every situation? If so, say yes. It's time we start acting like it. Isn't this a great message? Isn't anybody feeling warm and fuzzy on the inside? Hallelujah. The enemy wants you to fight people and politics and masks and race, and he wins if you just pick a side. If you choose a side rather than choose love. But our battle is in the spirit. And we can pick that third option. Verse 4, a champion, everybody say a champion. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and span, and it just rattles off. This sucker was a big boy, and he was intimidating, okay? He was big, and he was bad, 
and he was large, and he was powerful, and he was strong. Goliath was not a figment of anyone's imagination. The circumstances we are facing in our nation right now, that you are facing in your business right now, that you are facing in your marriage right now, they are not a figment of anyone's imagination. They're real. Does anybody feel the realness of your circumstances, the challenging things in your life? There's some real stuff. Racism is real. COVID is real. Now, some of y'all are like, it's real, but it's been blown out of proportion. People have died, okay? It's real. But besides that, if it's been blown out of proportion, take this. The circumstances that it being blown out of proportion that it's created, it's still real, so you got to deal with that. And the way you deal with it is not by pointing fingers at other people. I'm not nervous. Got your daddy's anointing on me today, I think. Just speaking truth here. Masks are real. The pres- Oh, my gosh, I haven't even mentioned that. The presidential election is real. Has anybody heard there's one of those coming up? Guess what? Politics are not your enemy. Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, they're not your enemy. We battle not against flesh and blood. We got the Spirit of God on the inside of us. It's time to rise up, giant slayers. It's time to rise up in the Word of God, the faith of God to take a stand. Verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man. See, that's little error in Goliath's perception. He thought they were the servants of Saul. And as we'll see, just here in verse 2, that's what the soldiers thought too. That's why they were cowards, because they thought they were serving a man. Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul And all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Do you know some people right now who are dismayed and terrified? They're scared to how to provide for their family. They're scared for their career. They're scared for the impact on the mental health of their children if they don't get to go back to school or if they do get to go back to school but they don't get to interact with their friends. They're scared for the state of our nation because they truly believe like the next election is going to make or break what God can do. Now, they wouldn't say that, but that's, you know, people are scared, even terrified. Some of you haven't been touched by COVID, but I know people in this room who have been scared for the lives of their family members because they did not know if they were going to make it. They thought they were going to die because of COVID. Just because you haven't been touched don't mean it's not real. And in this passage, we see that he defies the armies of Israel. And that could have been Saul and his armies 
their finest moment. But it wasn't. They were scared, dismayed, terrified. There's a quote from uh, Winston Churchill. And um, it reminds me, I believe, of the moment that we are in right now. Everybody say right now. Everybody say today. To each there comes in their lifetime a special moment when they are figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered the chance to do a very special thing. What a tragedy if that moment finds them unprepared for that which could have been their finest hour. Church, believers, this could be our finest hour. Again, just keeping it real here, I think some were caught camping in the sunshine and blue skies, and you were caught unprepared. You've been tapped on the shoulder a couple months ago, a few months ago, and you've been distracted by the circumstances that you've been facing, and you've gotten distracted by fighting people and making people your enemy, or this or that your enemy, instead of realizing that you're not just serving a man, you're serving God Almighty, God himself. And people are watching what you do right now. They're watching if that faith you talk about is real or if it's fake news. Is your faith real or is it just fake news? The storm, the storm will reveal that. The challenges, see, going back to James 1, if you don't get tested, you cannot become mature and complete. If there is not a giant to fight, you can't become a giant slayer. This right now, pure joy, baby. We get to rise up and be who God called us to be. That's our responsibility. And people should see our lives, and they should say, that's what Jesus looks like. That's Jesus with skin on. That's what I want to be like. That's the kind of body, that's the kind of family I want to be a part of. That's our opportunity. That's the moment that we're stepping into. Enter David. He was a shepherd boy. He was seemingly unqualified, ill-equipped, and outmatched by the challenge. But guess what? He didn't know that. <laughs> Woo! Verse 12, now David was the son of an Ephraite named Jesse from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons. And then it goes on and talks about the three of them went to war and David was less left with his brothers, or excuse me, left tending the sheep. And here's the thing about that. Um, but actually, verse 15, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. This is something you might miss. In chapter 16, back up chapter, 1 Samuel 16, David was anointed king. Most of you are probably familiar with the story. Um, Jesse brought his sons before uh, Samuel because God sent Samuel to anoint the king. And one after the other, God said, nope, 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 nope. And then Samuel says, don't you have any other sons? And he says, well, there's Jesse out, or there's David out in the field with the sheep. He's the youngest. He comes in, God says, yep, that's the one. He's anointed to be king. And then what does he do? Does he go to the throne then, yes or no? 
Does he go back to the sheep? Yes or no? He goes back to the sheep, back to tending sheep. And he's being prepared. And he's being prepared. And he's putting that faith to work. He's making that faith real. He's making that strength, that internal strength real. And then while he's out in the field, somebody, Saul starts having these bad dreams. And he says, does anyone know how to play the harp or the lyre that can soothe me? And they say, well, there's this boy out in the field named David. And David goes to the palace and plays his harp for Saul and soothes him of his dreams. Or soothes him of, of those bad spirits, the dreams, whatever, right? So that's why it says in verse 15, David went back and forth from Saul to the sheep. To the palace where he's been anointed and God said, you're going to be in that. Oh, no, nope. back to the sheep. And then back to the palace to soothe the king. Wait, I'm supposed to be the king. Wait, God anointed me to be king. What? I'm soothing this guy. This joker doesn't even know my name. He doesn't even look at my face while I'm playing the harp. Because as we'll see down here, when David walks out and kills the giant, Saul's like, who is that boy? Who is that? He soothed him, and Saul used his gift, but didn't even recognize him as a person. Do not underestimate the season when you are unknown, when you are forgotten, when people do not know your name and you feel invisible to the people in your life, invisible to the people that you need influence with. Do not underestimate your season of preparation. God has been preparing you. I mean, God gave our pastor a word back in, was back in November that we were going to love what? Come on, love what? Unconditionally, and we're going to pray for, huh, when God knew what he was doing, setting us up a little bit for what was about to happen in our nation. First COVID, and then the murder of George Floyd, and then an election right on the heels of that. Love unconditionally, pray for unity. And then we've talked a lot about what's it mean to do our part. That's what I'm pushing in on today. What's your part? Your part first starts with you. Take full responsibility for you. Take complete ownership of who you're going to be and the part that you get to play to fulfill God's destiny for your life. That's your part. So David was being prepared, right? Now let's get to the juicy part. This is good. He was being prepared to be a difference maker. Um, for 40 days, the Philistine came out, verse 16, every morning and evening and took a stand. And so now Je David shows up because his daddy said, hey, go check on your brothers. And he shows up. And in verse 20, it says, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out, just as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out into its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Interesting. The army was going out to their battle positions, shouting a war cry. They sounded like an army, but they were a bunch of cowards, scared and terrified and unwilling to step up and fight. You can be around some people who act like they're fighting a battle, but they're really cowards. They'll shout, they'll make some noise, but they're not willing to stand and fight and do what God called them to do. There is a lot of noise in our society right now. Be careful who you associate yourself with, who you align yourself with, because if they're just shouting war cries, but they're really cowards just making noise, you don't want to be hanging out with that. 
Isn't this fun? Did, did anybody need this? Are you being encouraged? Because I want to build your faith up. You are a giant slayer. Chris, you're a giant slayer. But we can't slay giants if we're fighting the wrong battle. Where are we at? Verse 21. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were doing. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, everybody say champion, real enemy, a real enemy. He stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. There's a lot of that going on too, isn't there? Some enemies shouting their usual defiance. And by the way, his usual defiance was coming against Saul and against people serving Saul. He thought he was just fighting men. He didn't realize he was fighting God Almighty. So there's some things in our society, people shouting their usual defiance, and they think they're fighting flesh, but we know better. Let's not get caught up in fighting flesh when we know that the battle is the Lord's. So he shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. How many refuse to cower in fear right now? Come on. Like, that's not who God created us to be. Verse 25, now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. Again, the army didn't know that they were the armies of the living God. He said, he keeps coming out to defy Israel. See, if you don't know the battle you're in, if you don't know who you're aligned with, you'll be scared and a coward. So he keeps defying Israel. The king will will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? That's the first time that's said in this whole passage. David saw things differently than everybody else. He had a proper perspective. Church, church, We've got to see clearly in this time that we're in. We've got to see how God sees. We've got to see the battle appropriately. Not us versus them. What is God's will? What is my part that God's telling me to step up into? David said they were defying. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. And pastor mentioned this last week, but we don't need to increase our faith. We just need to remove our doubts. See, the devil isn't after your stuff. The devil isn't after, he's not after your ability to wear a mask or not wear a mask. He's after your faith. Let me say that one again. The devil isn't after our freedom to wear a mask or not wear a mask. He's after our faith. See, there's an agenda that the enemy has in the earth today. He wants to create disunity. He wants to get pride to rise up on the inside of us that we think we know better than everybody else. He wants to create hatred and anger and unforgiveness. These are not the agenda of God. They are the agenda of the enemy. That is our true enemy. You want to fight a giant? 
Make sure you direct your energy in the right direction. Not against people. Now, listen, guys, I'm not, I'm not saying that there's not wrong and right in our nation. We know that, right? There's some people doing some right stuff and some people doing some wrong stuff, right? Amen? But they're not your enemy. I don't care how wrong they are or how right they are. We're in this for Jesus. We are his vessels. We are his warriors. It's time to rise up. It is time to rise up. David saw things differently than everyone else. In this season, these unprecedented circumstances, if the devil can overwhelm you with fear and doubt or create division among the ranks, then he wins. So if there's anywhere in your life right now that there's fear and doubt, overwhelm, or you feel this us versus them thing, the devil is at work. Humble your heart and say, all right, God, what do I need to see? What is the work that you need to do in me to get me to pure joy? Because God said you can have pure joy in the midst of the storm. In fact, that's his will for your life. And if you're not to pure joy yet, listen, the answer is not for the storm to end, for everybody to agree and everybody to get along. No, no, no. The answer is for the work to be completed in you. The answer you're looking for is for the work to be completed in you so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. You know, hey, uh, hand me that, my journal there. I wrote this down this morning. The, um, the passion translation of that James verse, when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Everybody say, take it back! Stir up that power within you that releases perfection so that there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Verse 28, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now, who is David? He's a man after what? A man after what? David was called a man after God's own heart. And what did his brother just say? Was that the truth or a lie? It was a lie. When you begin to stand, when you begin to fight as a warrior in the army of the living God, people will lie on you and talk about you and belittle you and berate you and talk behind your back. Let's just make sure that when they do, that our character is secure, that our integrity is secure that we are living in, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. And the second commandment is just as good, or just, just as important, love your neighbor as yourself. See, if they're talking about me, what, what, what they can't touch, unless I get out of alignment with the word of God, is my ability to choose love. 
This is not a season to be wrong or right. Let me say that it's not a season for you to be right. God don't need you to be right, 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 right now. He does not need you to be right. He needs you to love. The commandment was love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Is there any mention of being right? Is there any mention of pointing fingers where they're getting it wrong? Is there any mention of saying, I'm right and you're wrong? Is there yes or no? No! Let's start acting like that. Like, see, it, it doesn't diminish our faith. To step. Does that feel like it diminishes your faith, what I just ran it off there? Do you think that gets us in the right frame of mind to have faith like God intended us to have faith? Verse 29, now that I have, now David says, now what have I done after his brother lies on him? Can I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and he brought up the same thing. Everybody say he turned away. He turned away. He turned away. The brother lied on him. His own family lied on him and talked negatively about him and he turned away. He turned away to do what God put in his heart to do. Might I make a suggestion that some of you exercise the ability, the power to choose, therefore the power to change, that you can exercise your ability to turn away. You can turn away from news, you can turn away from negativity, and you can turn away from picking a side. I'm having fun. Is anybody else, is anybody else having fun? If you're having fun, make a move and say, woo! All right. Verse 32, David said to Saul, I, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, come on, hear this, hear this. David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Not very glorious, not very glamorous, is it? Not a lot of recognition in that. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Why? 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 Because he has defied the armies of the living God. David had his focus set. He knew what the battle line was. It wasn't me versus a Philistine. It was me versus someone against the armies of the living God. It was me against someone, a situation out of alignment with God's will. So he'll be like one of them. The Lord, who did it? The Lord. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of of this Philistine. Saul said to David, all right, bro, you crazy. Oh, go and the Lord be with you. Because he was like, the Lord better be with you because you still a little runt. And he's like eight feet tall, bro. People will underestimate you. They will think you're crazy. But when you know that you are fighting for the Lord, see, this is what I would say to each and every single one of you. This storm this season, the series of compounding events that has made this like no other season in the history of our nation that we've lived in anyways, this is when giants are revealed. Giant slayers are revealed. This is when, because again, if there's not a giant to fight, nobody can become a giant slayer. 
Like if it's just easy all the time, you don't get to build any muscles. You don't get to build any faith. You don't have to run after a lion and a bear to grow that faith. But when you face some stuff, then there is opportunity for the power through the testing, the power to be released in you. How many of you would like to be mature and complete and not lacking anything? You all like that promise? Then embrace the test. Embrace the challenge. Embrace the storm. Don't pray, God, get me out of this. God, make it stop. God, fix them all. God, do the work in me. Make me who you designed me to be. Make me a man after your own heart, a woman after your own heart. God, show me, show me what it means to rise up in faith. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. Verse 38, he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet in his hand. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. Everybody say he wasn't used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. See, giants are not defeated with impressive or expected weaponry. They are defeated with faith that has been tested. Listen, if you don't feel like your faith has been tested, some of you, the storm came, and you're in the middle of some stuff right now, and you don't know what to do. You do not have the answers. You're not feeling very champion-like. You're not feeling very giant slayer-like. Can I give you some wisdom? If, you don't, if you're like, man, he's talking about a season of preparation. Uh, I don't even know what that is. I don't know if I've been prepared. I don't feel ready yet. Which, caveat, you're more ready than you think. You're stronger than you know. I say that to every single one of you. But you're not feeling it? Get around some giant slayers. Get around some champions that have fought some lions and bears and taken them out and protected what was theirs. You are in a house led by some giant slayers. Your pastors, oh my gosh, do you know the stuff that they have gone through? Do you know the battles they have fought, the betrayal that they've had to walk out, the hurt, the pain? The people talking about them, lying on them, kind of what David experienced. You don't know, my pastor would say this, and I used to be like, I don't know what that all means. But he'd say, from the early years of the church, he would say, you don't know what it costs to be someone else. How many of you look at your pastors today and you're like, oh my gosh, they are champions. How many think your pastor is a champion? If so, say yes! That did not come easy. There was a lot of hiddenness. There was a lot of preparation. There was a lot of doing what God said to do when people thought you were crazy. Knocking on farmers' doors to get this property. Continuing to fight battles. Not fighting people. And, and they would tell you. I mean, I, I've been with them on this journey for 20 years, so I, I've walked some of this too. Like, when you go through that betrayal stuff, that hurts. It hurts. But you can't get caught up in people, you have to say, God, what's the work you need to do in me so that I can release that stuff, so that I continue to, you got to turn away and say, all right, God, what have you called me to do? So if you're not feeling giant slayer-like, get around some people who are. 
And by the way, your pastors aren't the only giant slayers in this room. Look around this room because there are some people that have slayed some giants and you need to link arms with them. Everybody put your arms out like this. Put your arms out. Now, other than the people sitting in your section, you can't touch anybody, right? This right here is a picture of what the devil wants to do. This is a strategy of the enemy to isolate and then destroy. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I've come to give life and life more abundantly. See, this right here, it's not about masks or anything else. It's about trying to isolate you away from other people of faith, from other giant slaying people of faith. Don't let him do that. That's the enemy. That's why unity must be our focus. Okay, let's bring this home. Then, after he took off that cumbersome armor, the armor that everybody else said, that's what you need to kill giants, he took it off. Then, verse 40, he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, not his warrior's bag, his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Sounds like a little bit of faith to me. Five smooth stones, just a little bit. Meanwhile, the Philistine with the shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over, and he saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Now, nine-foot-tall giant, all in his armor and everything, David little pouch with some stones in it and a sling in his hand. And listen to how David responds. David said to the Philistine, you come against me. I think he raised his voice, by the way. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world, the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Not an army in Israel, not a king in Israel, but a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. On a scale of 1 to 10, how certain was David that he was going to win that battle? About a 20? Yeah, I think so. He was absolutely certain, not because he was right, people but because he was standing for someone that had defied the armies of the living God. Because he knew it wasn't his battle to fight, he knew it was the Lord's. Stop fighting in the flesh and get in the spirit. Rise up, giant slayer, and be everything God called you to be. I love that it goes on and it says, David ran. Oh, wait, no, I skipped a little bit. The Philistine moved closer to attack David, and David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. I mean, come on, just close your eyes, visualize that. Nine-foot giant walking towards him. Little itty-bitty boy.
and he ran towards him. And by the way, he didn't even have a, sl- uh, a stone in a sling. He d- ran toward him. Um, David ran quickly to the battle line, reaching into his bag while he was running and taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine. David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. One small stone. It just takes a little bit of faith to slay a giant. It just takes us fighting the right enemy. What if we began to oppose, not men, but to oppose anything out of alignment with the will of God? Now, here's the trick. There are men and women in the earth who are doing things that are out of alignment with the will of God. Yes? Yeah. It's because some of you are still having a little trouble with what I'm saying here. Because you're like, yeah, I'm going to rise up in faith. I'm not fighting people, but they're wrong. They're wrong. Pastor Mark, they're wrong. I get you. Here's a test for you. Because, again, there's a work that God wants to finish on the inside of you in this. See, your assignment is not to change people or to prove that you are right or wrong. Your assignment is for God to finish the work in you so you can be a man after God's own heart. David did not become the king because he was the best, because he was the brightest, because he was the strongest. He became king because he was a man after God's own heart. So when you're, you're doing your part and standing for what you believe is right and true, when you're doing that, do it with God's heart. No one you are interacting with right now over any issue There's a bunch of them, isn't there? (laughs) No one should be able to say, I didn't feel loved when I talked to them. Is that a test? Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Any interaction you have, there should never be a question of whether or not you love that person. Now, some of you, you're, you're getting on that, and you're saying, but I do love them. They just said they didn't feel loved. Try harder. When I'm in communication as a leader, It's not Sean's responsibility to understand me if I'm the leader. It is my responsibility to communicate in such a way that Sean understands me. It's my responsibility, not his. So if I want Sean to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I love him, I can't say, Sean, you just need to know that I love you. It's on me. It's on me to be the love of Jesus personified, to be love to Sean. And if anything, if we disagree on anything, if us having a conversation about that hinders our love, hinders our unity, then I'm going to put it off limits, on it, because love wins. And we can be in faith and we can be in alignment. Now, are people going to disagree with you? Yes. Disagree in love. We can disagree politically. We can disagree COVID-19-ly. We can disagree about masks. We can disagree about racism. But we will love unconditionally. That's faith, y'all. That's rising up as a giant slayer. If I were to identify the greatest giant that we are facing in our nation right now, it wouldn't be anything that's in the news. Not one thing. If I was to identify it, division, isolation, hatred, unforgiveness, pride, arrogance, those would be the things I'd label. Nothing to do with an election. Nothing to do with what he said, she said. Those are all issues that start in here. 
And if we can choose right now, like right now, in this moment, those of you online, if you can choose right now to say, I'm going to take full responsibility. Church, this could be our finest hour. Could be. You're being tapped on the shoulder. Are you ready? You don't feel ready? Get around some people who say they're ready. And they're not just shouting war cries and making noise, but they're actually stepping up. This could be our finest hour. I believe the devil has underestimated the body of Christ. I believe the devil has underestimated the power of the Spirit of God living on the inside of me and on the inside of every single one of you that is a born-again believer. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, where is it? Come on, it's in me. It's in you. Greater is he who is on the inside of me than he that is in this world. We've got power. Jesus said, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose in heaven is loosed on earth. We have authority. Let's use that to demonstrate the love of God in the earth. To exercise, to demonstrate what it means to rise up in faith and be who God called us to be. Right? Tony, you need a job. I saw that in the Facebook group. Your enemy's not anybody that laid you off or anybody. You, know what? You, you step up and you say, you know what? By faith in Jesus, he will make a way. This is how I fight my battles, right? Not against people, but in faith. I don't know you're in faith. I'm just encouraging you, just affirming you. We win our battles in faith. We win our battles when we draw the battle lines properly, not that create division. So, Let's bring this home. Let's wrap this up. What is the area in your life where you need to rise up and slay a giant? What is the area that you need to identify to say, I need to take full responsibility? And Because again, you can't fix all the holes in the tent. You don't need to fix the holes in somebody else's tent. You need to fix the holes in your tent. So let, let me help you here before you get distracted perhaps. What is the one area where you personally need to take back your power and rise up? Here's a hint. Has there been an area where you've been in fear or in doubt? Back from the very beginning, right? That's what the army was. That, that, the army was dismayed and terrified. Is there an area in your life right now where fear and doubt has crept in? Or maybe it's overwhelming you. It's like your default right now. You're scared. You're, you're uncertain. You feel unstable. Like you don't know what to do. If there's any area in your life that I'm describing right now, that's your giant. It's time to rise up. Here's another one. Has there been an area, perhaps as I've been ministering this morning, where you feel that you've been fighting the wrong enemy? Maybe you've been aligning with some people shouting war cries loud, but not willing to stand and fight. Has there been an, is there an area where you've been distracted by fighting the wrong enemy, you've been fighting flesh instead of fighting in the spirit? Okay, I want you to close your eyes. Just say, Holy Spirit, show me.
one thing, one area in my heart. Holy Spirit, I want to be a man, a woman, after your own heart. Show me the work that needs done in me. Now keep your eyes closed. And I just want you to allow the Holy Spirit to pinpoint one area, one thing, one thing. Okay, now I want you to put your hands on your heart. Keep your eyes closed. I'm just going to take you through a little moment of prayer here. And I'm going to pray over you. And I want you just to open yourself to the Holy Spirit right now. This is our unfair advantage, folks, that the Spirit of God is living on the inside of us, that he will lead and guide us into all truth. And so, Holy Spirit, right now, I just pray that you would reveal to them with this one area, what do they need to do over the next seven days to begin changing, to be the change that they want to see in other people, but God, today they take ownership for themselves. Holy Spirit, speak to their heart right now. Help them see that giant clearly and help them see a path to rise up that might look different than the path they've been on. Take a deep breath. Breathe in. Just kind of breathe in the Holy Spirit. Like I know that might sound a little weird, but breathe in the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, show me. Breathe in the truth of God the love of God, the peace of God right now. Because when you get in that place of peace and overwhelmed with love, that's where you find answers. It's not in shouting loud. Holy Spirit, reveal it to him right now. Speak, Holy Spirit. your eyes closed and sitting there, if you feel like you have your, your one action to take over the next seven days to, to begin changing, just slip your hand up just so I can see. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. See, that's change, y'all. That's change. Holy Spirit, for those arms raised and others not, but God, as we know what we need to do to take responsibility, God, I pray you give them courage and faith to rise up this week to be, if they don't slay that giant right now in this moment, that they begin to win the battle this week, that they turn the tide. Holy Spirit, strengthen them. Give them the resolve, the determination. And by your Spirit, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. That's what the Bible says. Just like David. By the Spirit of the Lord Almighty. God, Help us to rise up this week and be the giant slayers you've created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So one last thing. I'm going to do this quick. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we never want a service to go by or you're watching online. I know there's hundreds and hundreds that are watching online. Thousands that will see this throughout this week. If you're watching today or you're in person here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I don't think we could have 
made it any more clear than during worship when these guys and gals sang about the love of God, that his love is reckless, that he is chasing you down, that he is hunting you down, that he is jealous for you. There is nothing you can do to mess up the love of God. He's going to love you no matter what. It's who he is. So I just want everybody to bow your heads again. And if you're watching online, just bow your head for a moment. And if you're hearing my voice right now, and if you're far from God, and if you died today, you don't know if you'd spend eternity in heaven with God. If you don't have certainty over that, if you're not for sure about that, then this is your moment to, by faith, see, I think the biggest giant for you to slay today is that belief that you're not enough, that you can't be loved, that you don't deserve forgiveness. And we can slay that sucker right now because when Jesus went to the cross, he died for the penalty of your sin and mine, all the junk that we screwed up, he took the punishment for it on the cross. And so right now you can, by faith, receive salvation. You can come into relationship with God. If you feel far from God, this is your moment to come back into that relationship. So everybody's bowed their head. And if that's you today and you need a relationship with Jesus, or you need to come home because you ran away, right now I just want you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Just slip your hand up. I see one person raising their hand. And so we're going to pray today. Is there anybody else? Actually, I see two people raising their hand. Two adult men, and I love seeing men rise up in faith. See, that's, that's God's design right there, to men, for men to lead the way. If you're online, just type Jesus in the chat, and one of our team will connect with you online because we want to be able to help you take a next step in your faith. But if, you, if you're making that decision online, along with these two men here, I want everybody in this room and everybody online to pray this prayer with me right now. Say, dear Jesus... Come on, pray it loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me just the way I am. Thank you for sending Jesus to take all the punishment that I deserved when he died on the cross. Thank you for the resurrection that because of Jesus, I can be forgiven. I can come back into relationship with the Father. I believe it. I receive it now in Jesus' name, by faith. I am a new creation. I'm never looking back. All that unworthiness, gone. All that sin and mistakes, it's gone. I'm a new creation in Jesus. In Jesus' name, Amen. Come on, people. Woo! Stand up. Stand up. Come on. Come on. Celebrate. Don't stop celebrating. Come on. At least two people, probably more online, just gave their life to Jesus. We slayed a giant today. Some people came back into relationship with the Father. Listen, who is committed this week to being a giant slayer? If so, say yes. I believe you're going to do it. You guys are amazing. I love y'all.